This podcast episode is brought to you by the Outcomes Rocket Network, where you get your healthcare insights from the most inspiring healthcare podcasters. Welcome to the Marketing Mondays podcast, where we explore how we can make your offerings stand out in the health and wellness space. Through conversations with thought leaders and innovators in health and wellness marketing, we'll discuss marketing best practices, case studies, and innovative ideas to help scale your business and grow revenues with impact. I'm excited to be your host. My name is Andrea Borcha. I'm a fractional CMO and owner of the Dia Creative Marketing Agency. Welcome everyone to another episode of Marketing Mondays. I am super excited to be here with Larry Diamond, CEO of Matesco and thegoodclinic.com. My name is Andrea, again, your host, and I am the CMO of Dia Creative Marketing Agency. So Larry, let's start with a little bit about Matesco. And I specifically loved the background on the name. So why don't we start there and then tell us a little bit about what you do? Well, thanks, Andrea. It's great to be here today. Metesco, you know, when we were thinking of the name for the company, I've been in healthcare a bunch of years. And unfortunately, in healthcare, um, change is inevitable, progress is optional. And so the name Metesco in Latin actually means progress. And that's really what we're focused on is being able to help the health system evolve so that consumers have better experience and better outcomes. Very cool. So, what about the healthcare system first inspired you? To, to need to make a change, to create something like Metesco? Well, it's interesting, you know, and I think it's very apropos for your audience because, you know, marketing research, you can do primary or secondary. We did a ton of secondary research looking at what's been done. And it's very clear that's out there what consumers want. They want something that's about them, that's personalized, that, that takes into consideration all their issues, their behavioral health, their stresses in life, medicines, uh, the challenges that they have. And unless you're addressing all those things, they don't feel as though they're getting what they want. And since healthcare has gotten so expensive, they believe they should have a much stronger voice in what they get. The other thing is that they're asking for is um, they want something that is personalized to them. They want it to be reasonably priced and they want it to be convenient. So much of healthcare is organized for the convenience of the providers as opposed to the convenience of the consumers. And so at Metesco, we took those and the Good Clinic, we took those all into consideration and said, what do we have to do? And so we've built a model that addresses each of those issues for the consumer, recognizing as so many other parts of healthcare it has become a consumer product and we are the first ones really to building it as such. That's incredible. Do, do you feel like we are now at the point where consumers actually are driving healthcare to the point that doctors, providers, hospitals are listening to the consumer? Or do you feel like that there's still this challenging dichotomy between the two? There still is a significant amount of dissidence. Payment is the strongest form of inspection. <laughs> That's true. And so when you look at it as, you know, the government drives so much of the reimbursement and it's only relatively recent that they've started paying the healthcare system for outcomes and the quality of care that's being provided. It always previously was about units of production. How many tests, how many surgeries can they do? And finally, we've evolved as a healthcare system to start paying providers to deliver outcomes that are improved. 
The other part of that, there are a lot of people who can't afford health insurance, and so they're paying for it out of pocket. And so when that happens, they expect something very specific. And if you're not able to deliver to their needs, they're not going to come to you. And so their voice is getting heard, just like it's always been heard in things like plastic surgery, right? It was always been consumer pay. And so finally, primary care and orthopedics, so many other things are finally waking up to the fact that they have to really meet the patient's requirements as opposed to what the what the insurance companies or the government is asking for. Definitely. And I'm curious too, are patients or consumers at this point aware enough of their health or are they still driven by acute issues? So do they know to start thinking about outcomes before it becomes an issue or are they still based on your usage finding that like, nope, I just come to a doctor when I have a problem? Well, there's a very large portion of the population who sits in in, in that group. Uh, I think it's important to remember that we're not all the same. And it's never been really possible previously to identify the buckets of consumers that are out there. The interesting thing is uh, Dr. Hibbert at University of Oregon discovered this consumer measurement tool called patient activation measure that actually puts us into four groupings. And it answers the question, does a person have knowledge, skills, and confidence to be good and effective users of healthcare? And as you would expect, it's about 25% in each of those groupings. And so for a lot of people, and it's also because of how we've been trained, we spend 15 minutes with a doctor, we go to urgent care because we can't get in to see our primary care provider. You know, I think today in America, it's somewhere between two to five weeks to get in to see your primary care provider. Um, At the Good Clinic, we actually focus on same day, next day appointments. Radical concept. It's much more about organization. Typically, you're spending 15 minutes with your provider in the healthcare system in primary care. We actually right now are averaging about 37 minutes that we spend with a patient, and our target on a first visit is an hour. That's incredible. How how are you getting is I mean, how are you getting that across to consumers when they're first finding out about you? Or how are you even first identifying the right customers to reach out to let them know that you exist? Well, we very much, we attempt to market to all groupings of folks. And what we're finding is, is the folks that are more activated and participatory in their healthcare today are the ones that come in, I'll call it on their own, because they're interested, either the healthcare system has not met their needs as is, or they're just interested about having a better experience. The other groups come in, as you said, when there's an urgent or emergent need. And so they have a sore throat, they have earaches, they have some other you know, blood issue, they had COVID. We're getting a lot of people to come in for vaccines, COVID tests, things like that. So they come in and now they discover that there's something that's actually different and they've never seen before in the market. That's incredible. Do you, do you find that people are getting more comfortable with digital being part of their healthcare? You know, there's a a great study, CVS just released their consumer study. And surprisingly, consumers see a relatively low value in the digital, I I say digital, I see, I really mean telehealth. Mm -hmm. They want telehealth on uh, just on an on-demand basis if they can't get in to see in person. Now, what we're doing is, is that we're using the, the telehealth to support the care plan. Because when we meet with someone, we create a care plan and we have follow-ups just like your dentist does, just like your veterinarian does. We plan out what we're going to do with someone. And we it's a co-developed plan. 
And so we may use telehealth, it's the choice of the consumer, to simply follow up, how are you doing with this new medication? Have you made progress on your change in your diet? So as a result, we can have a very short 15-minute call with the person, check in, see what's happening. And since now the government pays for those follow-ups, we're able to focus on prevention and measure and help a person make progress instead of waiting for them to fail, come in you know, at the end of the year or next year to see, hey, they weren't successful. I didn't understand that. Yeah. Do, do you see that like a lot of people then are coming to you as on a referral basis because you're changing the way that let's say I uh, implement my own healthcare with this longer term relationship with the good clinic. And then I'm sharing that with friends and family, or is you still finding that you have to do a lot of outreach marketing? Well, as a startup, so we opened our first clinic in February of last year. It took us until September to get into the insurance networks in Minnesota. And so really, and then we've been building clinics. We have six clinics that are open right now. And so really it was really January this year. And so we have to let people know we're there. So we're doing a lot of marketing in the communities, but referrals are the best way. And we're getting a lot of them. We have only five-star Google ratings out there right now. And if you get a chance to look at them, they are life-changing comments about how different it is that the, the our clinicians, which are nurse practitioners. So we're all nurse practitioner led. And the difference there is remember nursing is first off, it is a PhD degree now at most universities. And so they are doctors of nursing. They actually have a training that is very broad. So it includes complementary and alternative medicine, includes discussions on yoga and other things that are not standard medical, in addition to all the things that are standard medical. So you can come in and you can talk about everything based upon what's important to you, supplements, essential oils, whatever it is, we can answer the questions that you need. The other thing is that nursing specifically focuses on working with a person longitudinally. And so the expectation of the providers, I'm going to work with this person little by little by little to help them achieve a goal where unfortunately medicine in America today has been focused on one and done. I'm going to do write a script. I'm going to do a procedure. I'm going to move on to the next. And the other challenge is that so many primary care practices are actually part of the healthcare system. And the goal is to be the filter to find high cost events, people who need angioplasty, stent placements, radiology uh, services. And so as a result, it really doesn't give that primary care provider the time necessary to help a person stay healthy and focus on prevention. They're really just in time reactive to what's happening instead of being proactive. Uh, that's that's such a change in in the entire business model, I think, of uh, primary care. And it shouldn't be because I feel like that's what primary care used to be. And then you're right, the whole market just evolved. Are you finding that um, as people are moving through their, their care plan that you're thinking through how to scale the business and, and what the capacity is of each of these nurse practitioners? Because in some ways I'm thinking like things should get a lot easier because people are healthier longer term, right? Because you're catching things early, but at the same time, if, if you grow, like, will they continue to have that kind of time that they need to, to effectively work on your business model? Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. There was a change made in 2021 where they changed the documentation rules and they made it easier 
for a clinician to spend time with a patient. So they're actually reimbursements for 15, 30, 45, and 60 minutes. And so those exist out there. And because the documentation is easier, it's more available to do that, number one. Number two is that's about scheduling. It's just about any other business. If I have you coming in and I know what you're coming in for, I can schedule the appropriate time. And so I we focus on minutes of care, for example. We don't focus on the, so to speak, on the revenue or the number of patients that we're seeing per day, per hour, per clinician. It's really how many minutes of care are we providing out there? And then when you focus on that, it, it whether I'm providing uh, in a day, if I'm seeing you know eight one-hour appointments versus 16 30-minute appointments, or do the math, get smaller and smaller. Right. That that's the way it works. Interesting. I I love how how you've broken it down and and really kind of reworked and and you're using the people in the system that already are strong and probably underutilized nurse practitioners, probably underutilized quite a bit. In that sense, it it gives you a lot more flexibility, I think, to provide the right care. Do you then work with partnerships if if there is something more severe that needs to happen, like a a surgery, or is that also included in the good clinic? So actually, you know, great question. It's important to understand, actually, in 28 states, uh, nurse practitioners have the full scope of practice equal to a physician. And in in all the other states, it just requires a physician to sit in a QA process, just overlooking the NP, that'll all change. We'll get to 100% nurse practitioner coverage in all states eventually. And it's just because docs coming out of medical school do not want to be primary care providers. For what it costs to become a doc, you can't afford to be a um, to, to really be in primary care anymore. And so very few physicians are going into primary care. The other part to your question is what can a nurse practitioner do and how do we work with the, with the specialist? So we have the ability to refer. Actually, we understand from an insurance company, do they have preferred providers to make sure that the cost to the patient is as minimal? You know, if they have a very efficient provider, an ortho, uh, orthopedist or uh, endocrinologist, we can refer into those or we can refer based upon what the patient asks for. But because the nurse practitioner has scope, full scope of practice, you know, they can do a biopsy. We can actually set a broken arm. We have partners for radiology so they can send them out, get an x-ray, and they can come back and set, you know, set, set that. For the more complicated procedures, absolutely have referral relationships in, in our communities. Let's talk a little bit more about this insurance companies, because a lot of other health startups have challenges sometimes connecting with health insurance companies and getting sign off. Speak a little bit more about how you built those relationships and and got them to buy in. You know, it, it, it takes time. There's a shortage in America, according to the American Medical Association, of somewhere between 25,000 and 35,000 primary care providers in America. And because of that shortage in most markets, the insurance companies are really excited to have someone come in offering primary care. You know, when you take care of someone prospectively and prevent disease, it always costs less. And that is everyone's ultimate goal here. So the insurance companies, you know, when we were one clinic, now they really didn't want to talk to them. Now that we're six clinics, they're very interested in talking to us. And so as we go from 
state to state, city to city, you have to begin. It takes a little bit of time to build those relationships. But a bunch of us come out of the insurance industry. So we have contacts. We push it forward. And as they start to see our outcomes, because we're confident our outcomes will be superior to most other primary care practices, they're going to want us in their networks. So what uh, so what other states are you planning on expanding to next? So right now we have the six clinics, uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul. We have uh, two clinics under construction in Denver, Colorado. So that's our second state, and we'll be expanding there towards the end, latter part of this year. And then we're looking at Arizona and Florida as follow-on states. And we're always exploring what are the interesting markets. New York just uh, approved full scope of practice for nurse practitioners. So they might pop to the top of the list as an interesting market for us to look at. So how are you evaluating which states feel like uh, a good next step as you're scaling? So, you know, for us, I think the three core components are a receptivity to something that's a little new, newer in the marketplace. We're nurse practitioners. Um, we locate our clinics in really uh, disproportionately in the, in the first floor of high-rise apartment buildings. We want to be really convenient. So it's really looking at dense populations. So we're looking for population density. The next component is there has to be a shortage of primary care providers. Um, and then the third thing is, is we have to have good relationships with the insurance companies. So we look at where, you know, where is that possible? So that's really how we look at the markets that we want to go to. And we'll continue to grow. Uh, we're a public company. So, um, you know, we go to our shareholders and other ways to raise more money in the marketplaces. The speed of growth is directly dependent for how fast we can raise we can raise capital to do so. And we have a team here that's experienced. We actually have the team that helped scale the company Minute Clinic, if you're familiar with that, that was sold yeah. to CBS. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they were very successful creating an urgent care type of retail health environment. And, you know, they figured that they could do a better job focusing on primary care. And that's how we got to this business plan. Incredible. I was just about to ask you, how how do you form your team from initial concept through where we are now? You know, who did you feel is the most critical as, as part of your marketing team and outreach team? Well, you know, from, a, you know, the, the providers, obviously, because they're the ones that are face to face. And because we have the team that was very instrumental in increasing the scope of practice for nurse practitioners, they have a certain celebrity persona in the marketplace. So we're getting a lot of nurse practitioners that know them. Number one. Number two is, is you know, the average, you know, what we're told is nurse practitioners very often have to see somewhere between 25 and 27 patients a day. That's exhausting. Yeah. And so for this to be able to focus on a patient and really solve their problem, it's a much more satisfying experience for the nurse practitioners. From the marketing perspective, we have a really nice marketing team. It's both in-house and then partners that we have that we've built that are very familiar with digital marketing. And then we do a lot of community-based marketing. So we're at all the fairs. We work with uh, the chambers of commerce. Um, we work with all the business groups in town. We work with the cities, you know, so we're working with the fire departments and the police departments to do their physical exams, their DOT uh, exams, things like that. We want to be a part of the community because healthcare is local. And so unless you're local, you really don't understand the the issues that consumers are going to run into. And that's why we've really designed this, not only from a digital perspective, but really being involved in the communities. The the community, I think, is is 
the really strong way to build that trust too, that you need to feel like you're connected. And, and the doctor used to be part of your local community and then everything got big and, and then you bounced around from doctor, doctor with insurance companies and you lost a lot of that. I like that you're bringing it back to that, that core value of who your doctor used to be. I mean, kind of interesting. So we're working with Lennar. We are two of our clinics are going you know, one's in Minneapolis is in a Lennar tower, downtown Minneapolis, and another one in Colorado is in a Lennar tower. And they view us as an amenity to their building, just like the swimming pool or the gym. And so they cross market and promote because they, if healthier people are going to, if it's in convenience, if they can, if they can communicate to their residents that they're going to hold on to their residents longer, it's going to help them raise their rents and really improve the quality of life for their residents. I, I believe that with, it's funny between the fire department, police department, and these corporate uh, partnerships, I'm wondering is the angle more to work with these larger organizations of some kind or another to be able to provide your service to all their employees or members or, I guess, residents of the corporate building? Or do you think, uh, are you focusing still your marketing on individuals and reaching out to families uh, at these like health fairs? Well, a- absolutely. The individual is the prime target right now. With the new year, though, you know, COVID has changed travel patterns in our community. Very few people, I think, go to work every day these days. They work at home. So many who, you know, who have jobs that can do that. Um, and so one of the things that used to be very popular at large corporations and midsize were this on-site clinic concept. And the fact is, is uh, because we have a network of clinics and people are not going to work every day, we will be introducing shortly a program for employers that they can buy unlimited primary care from us for their employees and dependents, and they can go to any of our clinics in the community. And what we know, and the industry knows that that typically reduces the cost of care because you have convenience, you have a relationship. We don't charge co-pays in those situations typically because the employer doesn't want it to. We, we offer all generic drugs at a very low price. So the whole idea is to make it very easy for people to get issues uh, and questions answered in a very timely manner. So the biggest challenge into healthcare, the longer you wait to address something, the worse it's going to be and the higher the intervention. And so by making it easy for people to get answers to their questions, get issues addressed, you eliminate a tremendous amount of, I call, sicking in to the health system. That that feels like the most impactful way of reducing the larger, more expensive things that happen later on, right? As doctors want to focus on these specialties, you're, you're helping them prevent that long-term. I, I love where this is headed. So I guess- if you were to start this over again today, is there any lessons learned that you would change or alter it's starting over? You know, the, the funny thing is, is the hardest part is the capital side. You know, we never expected there to be this economic condition. You know, we have a war in the Ukraine. We have, uh, you know, interest rates rising, which makes it difficult, more difficult to finance these. We have some great statistics that are showing the evolution and the growth and the adoption and the consumer response is incredibly positive. And so it's just, you know, starting off, you know, that question, we started off kind of an unusual way. We're a public company startup. And that's really unusual. Either you would do this as probably a private equity company, and then you'd wait to come to market. So good news, anyone out there can actually uh, purchase shares in our company any day. 
We know every day what we're worth, so to speak, in the marketplace, but we're we're going to be raising money. And with the interest rates going up, it gets, just gets more costly. Is that why you started as a public company so early on? You know, we, we had a public company um, vehicle and we found this concept and we really liked it. I've been in healthcare for over 30 years now. And it was because of the changes that have occurred by the government's leadership. Uh, to start paying for outcomes and to start paying for time to spend with primary care, we now could focus on primary care becoming a good business. Up until recently, it, you really couldn't make money in primary care. We now can make money in primary care and provide excellent service to our to our customers. Yeah, that's a critical shift in, and I think lowering healthcare costs for everyone long term because it is encouraging the right behavior to catch things early. And, and I love that you're a partner in that. Wonderful. So Larry, any final thoughts on the healthcare space, where it's headed and um, how to connect with the right customers or providers or whoever you're connecting with in this space? You know, it's, you know, for us, the marketing piece, obviously, we somewhat have an advantage in so many ways because we are building a consumer product. So the good clinic when you walk into one of our clinics, it looks and feels the same. There, we have some core principles that we do a significant amount of education of all our employees about being present, about caring, about being participatory with our customer. And so in the same way in any other consumer packaged good company or any you know target corporation, you walk in, the look and feel is the same. That is our goal is to make sure our look and feel is the same. And it, it doesn't feel like a doctor's office. It's very approachable, very comfortable setting so that people are relaxed and they don't have that white coat or that nervousness of going into the office. So when you have that brand and that concept to be able to go out, we have the ability, obviously, finding our customers for the first clinic we open in a market is much more expensive than the 10th clinic. And so it's, you know, we we try to take advantage of that. We're always learning. And that's, where, you know, the other thing is, is that healthcare historically hasn't learned from, from marketing as to how to get to consumers. And so we're trying to bring a lot of knowledge from other industries to make sure that our, you know, we look at our cost per customer. What does it cost to bring a customer in? And so we manage to that and figure out what are the best ways to get to people. And that's so important. And I, I really think that's the differentiator here, right? I think medical and health was always put on the back burner as something that like, uh, that's just something I have to put up with. But with companies like yours coming out and considering brand and cost per acquisition and messaging and the user experience throughout every step, that to me is one of the biggest revolution uh, revolutions in healthcare at this point, because that that changes the game. It makes it feel like, an expected experience you'd get in anything else that you're doing in your day-to-day life, right? Absolutely. And, you know, it's just recognizing the customer has tremendous power. And if they're not getting what they want, they should go somewhere else. And the fact is, is that if you're not addressing all the needs, which is really what we focus on, and, you know, we're really excited to see the reaction we're getting from consumers, when you see that response and the referrals and that they're sending their friends and family in, you know, you've struck a chord and you're connecting. I love that. That's so powerful, Larry. Well, thank you so much. I super appreciate you taking time with me. I'm, I'm excited to see where the good clinic goes and, uh, and now I know I can buy some stock too. So that works. (laughs) Excellent. Have a great day. Thank you. 
Thanks again for listening to Marketing Mondays. If you have any marketing questions at all, feel free to reach out to me directly at diacreative.com. That's D-I-A creative.com. This episode was brought to you by the Outcomes Rocket Network. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure you leave us a rating and review, subscribe, and let us know what you're looking for.